1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
2: Welcome everyone to episode 129 of the NBA podcast. We have previewed the Eastern Conference side of the first round playoff bracket. So now let's turn our attention to the West. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this, well, now, on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. <laughs> so follow them on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co host, Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going?
3: You're going to jinx the Sixers again, you son of a bitch? well it's going great brian because uh it's physically impossible for me now to find cake in my hair
2: oh that is true you are sporting a
3: very nice new look oh yes yes very very uh limited let's
1: say you just bought a house bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents you'll proudly mow the lawn ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn Tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.
2: Top. Yes, yeah, in I the hair say. department, yeah. Oh, yes, I
3: look like Taj Gibson. <laughs> you actually do, yeah. 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 Uh, Speaking of Taj
2: Gibson, what a transition, Mort. Well done. Mm -hmm. I know.
3: (laughs) It wasn't even planned.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, let's let's dive into the Western Conference playoff bracket, the first round and the first matchup. Thanks Mm -hmm. to their overtime win over the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday night, the Timberwolves did make it into the playoffs. Their reward, a date with the number one seed, Houston Rockets. Congratulations. Lucky you, Timberwolves. Way to... Way to break that 14-year playoff drought Mm -hmm. to get slaughtered. Uh, So, I mean, where do we start aside from here? Here's something I just continue to be amazed by about this Timberwolves team. I know last year's Timberwolves team had the same issue, but, you know, Tom Thibodeau, between his stints in Boston as an assistant coach and in Chicago as a head coach, he was known very much as a defensive-minded coach, uh, those Celtics and those Bulls teams were typically around the top 5 or top 10 in defensive rating. This year, the Timberwolves finished 22nd. They were tied with the Knicks and the Grizzlies in Mm. defensive rating. On the flip side, Houston had the league's second best offense, and they actually have a good defense. They finished 6th. So how's that going to go for the Timberwolves?
3: Not well, Brian. <laughs> Hard-hitting Probably analysis. Well. You can't find anywhere else. <laughs> Look, no. the I mean, you have guys who can be difference makers defensively mm-hmm. um, on Minnesota. Yep. Or actually, I made that plural. You have one guy on Minnesota. <laughs> there are two. Make... There are two. Well, I mean, Taj is... Taj is fine, but he's also older and yeah. a little bit slower, and I think he's been drained by the minutes load. Yep. So it really leaves like as a as a one disruptive defender, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler. Yep. Like Taj will play defense on the interior, and he'll do fine. He'll rotate correctly. He'll even pick up smaller guards on switches and stay with them for a short period of time, and that's fine and dandy. But he's not going to generate a ton of steals he's not going to generate a ton of blocks he's not gonna like steal away processions Mm -hmm. like jimmy is so that's that's really the one card they have the two other players who were supposed to be defensive not defensive minded but have strong defensive presence Mm -hmm. just don't i mean Andrew wiggins and and Anthony towns are are horrific defenders at this stage of their careers and you might look at their minutes load or sorry minutes experience for their entire career and go why aren't they better and that's a legitimate question Mm -hmm. it's it's they should have been better at this point in time i will say carl anthony towns has had moments this year where you sort of see it yeah and that's encouraging but it's so not enough
2: right yeah i mean (laughs) to your point let's see where i want to pull up the exact numbers here uh, Where's Wiggins? I mean, they're technically a little bit better defensively with both of those guys on the court than off, but like mm. a little bit better still means they're giving up. For Wiggins, 107.6 possession, points per 100 possessions. Towns is 107.7. Like their defense, Jimmy Butler has the best defensive rating of any Timberwolves rotation player. And he's at 105.1, which, if it was extrapolated across the league throughout the whole season, I believe that is 12th. So, And that's best... why
3: Jimmy is an MVP candidate, or should right. have been, or if he played enough games, yeah.
2: So, I mean, it, it feels like, you know, we talked about the Cavs and the Pacers in the last episode and how the Cavs, mm-hmm. their only answer really throughout the playoffs is just going to be, we're going to outscore you. We can't stop you. It feels like that's Minnesota's card in this series. Like, they cannot stop Houston, so you have to outscore them. But Houston actually has a good defense, so that's
3: going to be a problem. Yeah, but there's another problem, Brian. (laughs) What's that? So, Minnesota takes 7.2 more three-pointers than Houston makes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That is a good stat. Wow.
3: but that's, that's pretty impressive. Minnesota yeah. is 30th in three-pointers three made and attempted. Uh-huh. Houston is first in made and attempted. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we got that going for uh, <laughs> Minnesota. Uh, and, and Minnesota is, to their credit, second in the league in free-throw percentage and fifth in the league in free-throw attempts. So they can make up some ground. They also mm-hmm. don't turn the ball over a whole lot, just second in the league. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty mistake free, but they don't gamble in. And when I say gamble, I mean they don't play dynamic basketball. They don't just spout out a three. Like everything they do, it has to be co- coordinated. It has to be like planned. It has to be half court. And I think that's just so draining, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder. Like after they've gotten swept, <laughs> right? Do they actually? begin to look at alternatives to replace Tibbs.
2: Yeah, I mean, so to the draining point, you alluded to this earlier, we've repeatedly cited this in the past couple months, but since Jimmy went down, and even before Jimmy went down, the Timberwolves had one of the most lopsided rotations in the league, namely Mm -hmm. Tibbs doesn't trust their bench at all. So Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and Taj Gibson... I believe all finished among the top 15 in terms of minutes played per game this year.
3: Every I, starter played 33 or more minutes.
2: Yeah. And there are, Jamal Crawford leads all reserves at 20.7, then Bielica <laughs> and Tyus Jones and Corey Jang. And now Tibbs is trying to make Derek Rose a thing, which, no. He should you should stop. But he with that. dunked Brian. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. dunked. Right. And his knees didn't explode when he landed. Yeah. It's a miracle. Uh yeah, I mean, that's a huge concern, right? Just like the mm. they're gonna be running to the ground by this point.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look, they I love Jimmy Butler. He mm-hmm. is my favorite player just because he's so Damn good at everything that he does. Like, legitimately, it's hard to pinpoint a fault mm-hmm. in his game, mm-hmm. and that's to his credit. But it's just not enough. Yeah. And you you can you can talk about Carl Anthony Town's ability to score a hell of a lot of points and rebound the basketball at a high rate. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But again, you, where's, where's the additional help? Like, Andrew Wiggins shot 64% on free throws this year. 33 from downtown, he was just abysmal offensively, defensively. He was just abysmal all year long. And Jeff Teague was sort of just average, 14.7 assists, 44% from the field. Taj is Taj, like good but limited. Mm-hmm. And the bench, as you alluded to, like tips doesn't trust. So where is that help going to come from? It's right. it's not. It, yeah. th- these Wolves are the same Wolves as before, and that's not a compliment.
2: Yeah, like you, you would need just monster performances from Butler and Towns for them to have a chance. But yeah, Houston has guys. I mean, Capella is gonna be—he'll be able to hold his own against Carl Anthony Towns at least when they're mm-hmm. if they try to go to the post. And I mean, God, count the number of wings Houston has. Like, it's tough to stop Jimmy Butler with just one player, but Houston has trevor ariza pj tucker the one thing i do want to mention with houston is luke mbaamute who went out tuesday with a dislocated shoulder Mm. do you think they're gonna feel the impact of missing him in this series or is it not really a thing to worry about until a prospective western conference finals with the warriors the latter yeah yeah i would i would think so too
3: Yeah, you know I don't really need to attach some big time analysis to that. It's just look, look at the team that Houston has right now, even without Bamute.
2: Yeah,
3: they're deep. Yeah,
2: they're very deep. And so I mean, Jimmy Butler, you said it. He's a great defender. You can glue him to James Harden the whole series. But whereas that would have given the Rockets potentially given the Rockets trouble last year oh, now they have a guy named Chris Paul who can run the mm-hmm. offense even if Harden is struggling to create for himself and others.
3: And he would. like. Let's just get that out of the way. If Jimmy Butler did just stick to Harden mm-hmm. throughout all minutes that Harden was out there, mm-hmm. you would see a downright shitty statistical line from James Harden over the course of a series because Jimmy is that good. Like He shot down Harden before in mm-hmm. regular season matchups over the course of the last three or four years. But that's never been the strength, solely at least, of Houston. It's been the entire component of playing fast and mm-hmm. having guys who can run the break, finish lops, and, and shoot the three. Like Gerald Green can actually come into a game and emulate James Harden, not to the point where he'll generate 35 points and 17 assists, mm-hmm. but he can emulate a role. And that's all... Due to Mike D'Antoni's system where he has certain guys who can come in and act in a role. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of this Houston squad. They have these big wings that can all sort of play like one another. So if one goes down, the gap isn't necessarily as huge. The Mm -hmm. talent might be, but the production isn't.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, not that Joe Johnson is anywhere near the level of a defender as Mabamute, but him and Gerald Green, what they lack on the defensive end, will make up for offensively. Same goes for a guy like yeah. Eric Gordon. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like this Houston team is too damn deep for the Timberwolves. I mean, yeah. like, we, the Timberwolves, and, you know, this criticism goes back again to Tibbs' time in Chicago. Like, they've played their card already. The, every team's card in the, in the playoffs is let's increase our starters minutes up to the high thirties, low forties. You know, let's not rely on the bench. The, the Timberwolves have done that all year. Like this is the best the Timberwolves are going to be. Like we haven't seen the Rockets if they go that route, but I don't think they're going to need to, frankly.
3: No, no, no. They, they can play. They, they go Toronto on this one. Yeah. Like just deep. Yeah. Um. So just, just a, a question here. And I, I swear Wolves fans, I'm not trying to troll, but right now, not future, but right now, who's the better player, Trevor Ariza or Andrew Wiggins? (laughs) The fact Uh, that I can even ask that question, uh, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, it depends on, like, if you put Trevor Ariza in Andrew Wiggins' role, I think Trevor Ariza would struggle as much as Wiggins has. mm -hmm. That said, I mean, if if you're looking at like who would you rather who do you, who do you think can be the starter on a championship team? It's Trevor Ariza because he knows his role. Like he is he's just right. a 3 and D guy. Like he's not Wiggins wants to fashion himself as this like high volume scorer but his efficiency isn't there. He doesn't contribute enough on defense and mm-hmm. and the other aspects of the game, rebounding, playmaking, whatever. So he, that makes him more of a minus than an Ariza, who you're not going to get him creating shots off the dribble and scoring 30 points a game. Right. You know, every once in a blue moon you will, but that's not going to be a regular thing. But because he knows that and he, like, sticks within his limitations, that makes him more productive.
3: And mm-hmm. that,
2: yeah. I know Mort- So. No, no, no. The, the reason, I,
3: I had a point. I, okay. That's why I was saying, like, I'm not here just to troll. Right. The thing is, in the playoffs, it's about matchups. Yeah. So, Minnesota will have this disadvantage of having sort of a question mark in mm-hmm. Wiggins mm-hmm. at the three, whereas Houston will know exactly what they're going to get out of Trevor Ariza. High-quality three-point shots, engaged defense, mm-hmm. some element of rebounding. And some disruptive uh, on-ball defense as well. But with if you're Minnesota, like you legitimately don't know what you're going to get from Andrew Wiggins. You have no idea if he's going to bust out completely an average 30 mm-hmm. or if he's going to crab out an average 7. You legitimately don't know.
2: Right. So I'm trying to think of matchups here in terms of the starting lineup. If mm. I'm Houston, I don't think I put Ariza on Andrew Wiggins. I think I stick Ariza on Butler. and then I, Yeah, I think I, like, that's better. Chris Paul is going to be on Jeff Teague. So I guess, does Harden get Andrew Wiggins?
3: Why not? Yeah, I See, kinda... here here's the thing. Harden is a good post defender. Right. Wiggins likes to score in the post. Yeah. It makes sense to try that thing out. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to guard Wiggins from outside. Mm-hmm.
2: Or, I mean, I guess you could do Ariza on Butler, P.J. Tucker on Wiggins, and then shift Harden to Taj.
3: You could, because Taj will have like some yeah. advantage. Tom.
2: Right, right. He's got the size advantage, but do you think the Timberwolves would exploit that?
3: I, I think because Taj Gibson is underrated in terms of being able to create his own offense in the post. That's true. He's He's a really good post player. Like, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that when Taj Gibson retires one day, nobody is going to talk about this. Like, he learned how to be a very functional back-to-the-basket player. Like, he has counters to his counters to his counters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that would be utilized. But the fact that we're sitting here legitimately talking about hiding Harden <laughs> by having him guard Andrew Wiggins? I know. How's that going for you, Minnesota? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I did, I think, for Fansided this week where I, I wrote about the five biggest disappointments in the league. And I, in honor of you, I channeled you and had Andrew Wiggins' stagnation as one of my five. Uh, I appreciate that, yeah. Uh, so I, I, it seems did like... Did you get it's...
3: fat? Like, Because if you channeled me, you should have gained <laughs> like 65 pounds at least.
2: No, thankfully, shout out to Turner Sports at Bleacher Report for having this stupid program where you get bonuses if you travel 7,000 steps a certain number of times per month so I've been killing myself trying to do that so I can get very stupid prizes for my wife so
3: (laughs) that's nice though it's a true
2: story I got a uh set the past month and I don't even know what a cochette set is but we'll have I was just about to say what is that it's like these little souffle dishes it's stupid I hate myself for it (laughs) but (laughs) it was free so I had to do it uh, yeah. But based on the tenor of this conversation, word it sounds like we're both obviously picking the Rockets. How many games do you see this one going?
3: <laughs> Four. No, yeah, I, I, look, look. Yeah. Normally, I would say Butler would take a game, right? But I, and I know he just had 31, or or you know, I was I think it was 31. But I just I don't trust that knee yet. I don't. Yeah. Especially in a tougher playoff atmosphere. And he, you know Tips is going to start him on Harden. Oh, yeah. You know he, so he's going to spend so much energy defensively. Yep. I just don't think he has it. Like Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> might have a game in a losing effort where he drops like 45, mm-hmm. but that's about it.
2: I like that Butler was supposed to be on a minutes restriction <laughs> Wednesday and then played 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. That is the Tom Thibodeau experience in one sentence. Uh, I picked Rockets in five, but a sweep would not surprise me at all. I don't think it goes more than five. I'd be very surprised if it goes more than five. Let's now move to what could have been the best first-round series of these playoffs. But Mm -hmm. I guess (laughs) had Kawhi Leonard been healthy, the Spurs would not be the seventh seed, but... The number two seed Warriors versus the number seven seed Spurs. The Warriors won the season series three to one. I mean, can we just can we pour one out for our homies and lament how fun this series would have been if Kawhi were healthy and playing?
3: This might just be part of his plan. I know. I've seen that on Twitter today. Like
2: <laughs> people are he's going like, like descend from the rafters, like sting, like the, the music, the lights are all going to go out. It's gonna be an Undertaker gong, and lightning strikes. Yeah,
3: yeah. Look, yeah. no, but but Steve Kerr just said, you know, that they're planning right. for a series without Kawhi. Yeah. So that it would just be so hilarious for the Spurs <laughs> to announce right before tip off in Game One, Kawhi's playing. Yeah, I mean, no, no that's also bullshit from Steve Kerr.
2: By the way, there, he's yeah. absolutely planning. They, oh yeah, no... yeah, oh yeah, we're we're just we're gonna. I, his plan A is that Kawhi's not playing, but mm-hmm. they sure as hell have a plan B, a contingency plan for if oh, he yeah. does come
3: back. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, we should make a bet. Okay. Is it game one or game two that Sasa <laughs> injures <laughs> LaMarcus for the rest of the playoffs?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say game two only because game one would just be too egregious. But yeah. it, it's a fair question. It's going to happen yeah. at some Obviously. point. Obviously. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, so upper body or lower body injury is he going to inflict?
2: definitely lower. That's his yeah, thing. Right? He, like, he, like, clumsily goes for a rebound and falls and, like, buckles into LaMarcus' yeah. right knee. Guaranteed. Usually
3: I would agree, but I, I, I think because it's the Spurs, Sasa's probably going, you know, I've done the whole lower <laughs> Low body rough, thing yeah. before. I need to mix it up, like, just for my own sanity's sake. Sure. So he's probably going to hit him in the head really, really hard and give him a concussion.
2: I hear an orbital fracture
3: could knock you out for Or a Yeah, weeks. that's definitely in play. Yeah. Maybe grab his shoulder real hard so it dislocates. Oh, something yeah. like that. Because <laughs> the I, I Kelly Exactly. I, I think it's in the cards. So, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe a kick in the back while nobody's <laughs> watching. Something so in, like
2: that. Until, until LaMarcus does inevitably meet the end of his season, thanks to Zaza. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to talk about him because he did turn, his, frankly, his San Antonio tenure around this season. He was mm-hmm. relatively disappointing the first two seasons. Uh, there was talk that he was unhappy. He might even want to trade in the offseason. He had that preseason heart-to-heart to, heart to heart with Pop. Pop said, we've been using him wrong. They used him correctly this year. I mean, it's a fun what if. if like What if Kawhi were healthy? Would LaMarcus have had mm-hmm. the breakout season that he had? Or not breakout because he, he was a multi-time All-Star before. But the, the resurgent season that he had? Or would he kind of shrink back into the sidekick role that he occupied the first two years? I mean, we'll never know the answer to that question. But now we look ahead to this Warriors matchup. And last year, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, Bort, Zaza knocked out Kawhi in Game 1 stepped on his foot, knocked him out for the series. So then the Spurs, again, needed LaMarcus Aldridge to be their number one option, and he just completely shrank for the moment. Like, Pop put him on blast and everything. It got very ugly. So mm. we've seen him do this for the whole season now, where he's been the number one option. He's been great in that role, deserving all-star. Do you think that carries over to the playoffs, or do you think it's going to be a repeat of last western Conference No, files. I I think
3: that's car- carries over. Look, the Marcus has proved before when he was with Portland that he could have major playoff games. I think he had back to back forty point games against Houston a couple years back. So uh, he's def- and he, he even had a forty point game in the playoffs as a spur mm-hmm. that first year, right against OKC. Uh, I don't remember, but I I'll believe it. Sure. Yes, he, he had a huge game. So I, I think he's pretty accommodating to, to or or not not uh, what do you call that he's pretty acclimated yeah. there we go mm-hmm. acclimated to the playoffs <laughs> and the fact that I've, I've looked at lamarcus uh shot distance average which went down by two feet from last year to this year oh interesting. and it's just evident that he's just taking so much more shots uh near the basket than before mm-hmm. like last year uh 30 almost a third of his shots came from beyond 16 feet Mm. this year just under 19 percent wow so pop just basically moved him towards the basket yeah and allowed him to take a lot of mid-rangers but just closer Mm mid-rangers
2: right because those are still his bread and butter but yeah exactly he went from 38.7 percent on shots from 10 to 16 feet last year now to 43.8 percent this year the uh Longer range twos were slightly, or actually, yeah, no, slightly more efficient than they were last year. But Mm -hmm. as you said, he's just taking a lot more of those shots close to the basket. See, I, I made fun of our analysis earlier. That was actually good analysis. Good, good insight there, Mort. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, that said, so I did the these playoff power rankings of all the teams for FanSided. And like, it felt slanderous, but I had the Spurs 14th. I mean, oh. outside of Lamarcus, like who? I who is their second best player? Like Rudy Gay, dionte yeah, De,
3: Deontay or or, or Rudy Gay or yeah. Manu? Is it Manu? God, I, it shouldn't be. You know what I mean, right? I
2: literally wrote yeah. like no playoff team should rely on a forty-year-old to be a right. major contributor. But like, well, he,
3: he might be. Yeah, he might be. Danny Green is ha, has to be in the mix as well. Yeah, can we can we talk about by the way how De- Patty Mills has been kind of disappointing? Yeah, like I I I was expecting a little bit more. Me too. Like he's been given so many opportunities to just take over more or less because look at what they've been like playing with all year long mm-hmm. at 10 point average in 26 minutes. Yeah. I kind of figured he would go off a little bit more, especially like he's in his prime. Right. So, and, yeah.
2: And they're going to need that. I mean, that's the overall point is like even if LaMarcus sh- shit, even if he averages 30 a game, mm-hmm. where are the other 70 points coming from? Right. And I don't know the answer to that question.
3: I, I will say I was, I was pretty wrong about one thing, and it's pretty unfortunate that I was, mm-hmm. because that would have helped him a lot. I said before the season that Jeffrey Laverne would probably turn into a forty-five percent free point shooter for the for, for the Spurs. You he did. did not hit a three this year, <laughs> so that's <laughs> that did not happen. Close, very yeah, close. close. Went over five. Yeah, but. I still think he has that potential, but that's a different talk for a different day. If he had turned into like a three point gunner, Mm -hmm. that would have helped them so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't mean to disrespect this Burrs because even in the last month, they've beaten New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State with all their guys hurt. So I almost want to throw Mm -hmm. that out. They beat Utah, they beat Houston, they beat Portland. Like, they have the talent to beat teams. A lot of it really is just LaMarcus Aldridge playing his mind out, and Pop being Pop, just like mm. that. That's a real thing. Popovich is going to win a game in the series pretty much by himself because that's just what he does. But I just can't help but shake the feeling like this is the worst roster in the playoffs right now without Kawhi Leonard. So going up, I know yeah. you know Steph Curry's go- almost certainly going to miss the entire first round. I don't think it really matters. Nope. It hurts me to say it, but yeah, we 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 saw how a Kawhi-less Spurs team did against the Warriors last year. So, I mean, how many
3: minutes do you think Rudy Gay is going to play? I I have uh, to assume more than the twenty-one and a half he played in the regular season, right? I,
2: yeah, I would think so. I mean, Kyle Anderson could have a decently sized role. Like, I, who's going to stop Kevin Durant in this series? I have. No idea. I, is uh, that on Anderson, or is that on Rudy Gay?
3: Well, either way. Right, like, like RIP. Slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Exactly.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... the. I was legitimately, if the Jazz had fallen to seven and gotten the, the Warriors in the first round, I would have at least toyed with picking the Jazz over the Warriors, because I think the Jazz are just that good. I think the Warriors could not have asked for a better first round matchup while Curry recovers like mm-hmm. this, this opened the door for them back to being the title favorites for me.
3: I would agree with that. Yep, yeah, I would agree with that. It, it, there's just no positive spit on it. I mean, without Kawhi, you're, you're basically just hoping on the excellence of a coach and for, what 16 role players <laughs> right to step up and do something and, yeah. and like well no of, that's not fair like Lamarcus Aldridge is yeah, not right, right, yeah right but like you know what i mean right yeah. they have one guy yeah. at this point and it's just not enough yeah i mean manu is
2: definitely gonna he's gonna have one monster game i have no yeah. doubt but i yeah it's just you know i i the, the the Warriors are vulnerable without Steph Curry. Like, with him, they have a net rating around 15. Without him, it's around three. So, like, they are... They're not, like, the world-beating 73-win team that we have grown to know and hate over the last few years without Steph Curry. They they could have very well lost to a Jazz team. Probably only the Jazz in the first couple of rounds. But, like, they, they were in danger. It's just, like, they got the perfect matchup for them, so they can just... Hmm. I mean, how many games do you see this one going, Where Five? Okay, see, I, I'm going a clean sweep. I just don't... No, s-
3: because you just you just said something that I agree with, which is Bob is going to lead them to one game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's entirely possible. But I th- this one just feels like a talent-wins-out situation. Yep. And I just don't know where they're...
3: I mean, you could be right, easily. Yeah. I, right. I mean, I hope I'm wrong.
2: I don't want to, you know, I feel bad doubting the Warriors, but mm, it just, if you shut down LaMarcus especially, and Draymond Green is going to give him some trouble, I think, this, it, this could get yeah. ugly very quickly.
3: I mean, I just, I just want the Spurs to win one game so the last playoff series of Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker's career. <laughs> oh, careers, God damn
2: it. <laughs>
3: at least has a victory in it you know <laughs> right they
2: get gentlemen swept out of their nba career it's not just completely right.
3: Swept. right exactly just one win preferably like a game four victory so right. it's not a sweep that's like the, yeah that
2: is the pure gentleman sweep yeah
3: exactly uh, so and, and and preferably also like the Mondo and tony has they, they have big games for that night and right. then afterwards it's just like they float out of it, and, they, and, and then it's just a complete rebuild. Like, But, little, I mean, let's talk about it. Tony's on his final year of his contract, and he's going to be 36. Manu's 40.
2: Uh, I'm not enabling this conversation to the Bye Felicia segment. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah. I didn't condone this. Uh, all right, let's move on. So the other two series, I mean, we, we're not expecting especially competitive series from the first two. The Western Conference. The other two, I think, are probably the two biggest coin flips mm-hmm. in the first round in either conference. First, we have the number three seed Blazers versus the number six seed Pelicans. They split the season series two to two. I mean, just in general, these teams seem to match up really well with one another, right? Yeah,
3: they do. Yep. Like,
2: I mean, Damon CJ on one side, Drew Holiday and Etuan Moore are nowhere near the scores that those guys are. But defensively, that's an interesting matchup. I'm really excited for Yusuf Nurkic versus Anthony Davis, though. I think that's that might be the most the, the main attraction for me to this series.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think Davis just completely owns him, right? But it's gonna <laughs> at, at the very least, Nurkic has that mentality of I'm gonna get you back. Yeah, like he, he doesn't have that back down mentality, and I think that's gonna help him a little bit. Uh, the vast majority of the responsibility, obviously, is Damon CJ. Mm-hmm. I also like, like, you know, Alvaro Gamino's role in all this. Yes. Like, he's he's fun. Like, he was drafted as a small forward and just kind of turned his game around to become the small ball four. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to go up against Mirotic who's like yep. a traditional, uh, well, new age traditional power forward. Yeah. Because when the Bulls used him at the three, it went horrifically. <laughs> like, right. he's he's a four through yes. and through yes, 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 yes and he's more of a spot-up shooter but he can create as well mm-hmm. so i'm gonna like I, i'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic of play yeah um but yeah and to your point earlier about drew and each Moore, yeah they're defensively defensively inclined but both can really score the ball when mm-hmm. you know when it's there like what did drew end up with like a 19 point average yep. more
2: no flat 19.0 oh, flat
3: 19 that's, that's that's good It I was mean,
2: still his career high i believe mm-hmm. yeah like and he, each
3: one like had its, a couple good games down the stretch of the season as well like mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah drew i mean it went under the radar because brown and boogie just dominated headlines for so long but like drew had if not his best nba season i mean depending on what Depending on which metrics you use, he either had his best season or one of his best ones. Like, he, he was never more valuable in terms of value of a replacement player. Uh, second best in terms of box plus minus. He's been in like the neighborhood of 17 or 18 or 19 in PER for like the last six years. So he was yeah. right back in there again. But, I mean, a, a phenomenal season all around from Drew in the first year of that massive, that massive contract he signed. And then yeah, Etuan, he's frisky, man. He had he had a 30-pointer against Memphis. I mean, it's Memphis, but like he had seven threes that game. I mean, he he can, he can get shoot. Yeah, he can yeah. get very hot. And it's not, I mean, Damon CJ are like they are better than Drew and Etuan offensively, but I like they're not going to necessarily match up well defensively against those guys like if those guys get hot that's going to be that's going to swing things in New Orleans favor I would say
3: oh you're going there yeah I mean oh you have me thinking now I, I, I'm not ready I'm not ready to go that far yet I'm really not but I'm... I get your point and I also get that AD can flip a series mm-hmm
2: Playoff Rondo.
3: Playoff Rondo is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Playoff Rondo. That's that's the one thing I just don't want to hear more about. Yeah. God. But, yeah. I mean, theoretically, it's definitely possible. I think it comes down to Nico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if Nico goes on one of those stretches where he just can't miss, yep. and he does, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would say that the odds swing pretty significantly. Yeah, uh, he's so hot and cold. It's really hard to get a read on Nico. So if if he's just spots up all the time and the ball is long, it's he's either hot or the ball is long. It's either or. Right. I've I've watched him for so long. I know his rhythm, like he, the way that he does things, and it's it's either or. He he's gonna keep shooting regardless, which can be a problem on occasion. But sometimes he kind of snaps out of it
2: mm-hmm. by
3: shooting. So he's weird. And you need the good weird for this series to be a thing. If he comes out chugging and nothing's falling, that opens the door for like a five-game series.
2: Yeah. I mean, to your point, he in Chicago this year in 25 games, he shot almost 43% from three-point range. In 30 games with the Pelicans, 33.5%. Mm-hmm. That said, he still led the team in terms of three-point makes per game at 2.2, not counting Boogie, who was also uh at that same rate. So, mm. I mean, yeah, he's pouring
3: pouring out a 40 for Boogie. I know. Oh man,
2: yeah. If they, I mean, if the Pelicans had Boogie in this series, I would, oh my god, yeah. I think I'd pretty confidently pick them. The fact that they don't, it makes yeah. it more of a toss-up. But you're you're totally right. I think. Miritich is like the bellwether. If he's hot, it's going to more, more likely head to New Orleans. Um, and if, if they, Aminu, I mean, you're right. I think he's going to be an enormous X factor as well in terms of his versatility defensively. It's going to be huge. Uh, another guy I want to bring up is Mo Harkless because he went out, I think, at the end of March. And he, he had. Underwent some minor procedure to remove, I think, loose bodies in his left knee, I want to say. He was going to be out two to three weeks. They haven't said exactly when he's coming back, but I think I saw something earlier that said middle of next week, most likely, if not earlier. So yeah, figure he probably misses games one and two, but he should be back at some point in the series. I asked this because since he went down, Portland was four and five to close out the season. They had the big win over Utah um, on the final night of the regular season, which clinched oh. them the three seed. But aside from that, they had some really, like, truly bad losses in the last couple weeks. I believe they lost to Memphis, or uh, yeah, Memphis 108-103, Dallas 115-109. And then, like, yeah, they lost to Houston, San Antonio, Denver. Those are excusable. But... It makes me a little nervous that like Mo Harkless doesn't get much credit because he's not a high volume scorer by any means. But that that stretch of the season where Portland really started to put things together, you know, coming out of the all star break, Harkless played a big role in that. So it does make me wonder if they're gonna feel his absence in this series. Then again, New Orleans wing situation is as we've said all season, is an outright disaster. So maybe it won't mm. be that big of a deal
3: well no because in his place portland started evan turner Mm -hmm. when he's in he needs the ball yeah and i just think that mucks things up like he needs to come off the bench and be the primary ball handler off Mm -hmm. the bench so because when he's with dame and cj there's just not enough touches to go around right and that's the primary issue so yeah they they are missing mo and you know, Harkless is sort of a a early stage Trevor Arisa clone, mm. which is valuable in its own right. I mean, hell, he shot forty one percent from downtown, but on low volume. Mm-hmm. Having said that, seems to know that he can hit the three, so they look at it right like he's not left alone. Yeah, um, and yeah, like he's he's got a role. I still think he underperformed. Well Harkless. Yeah. Th- oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. mean, he, he's a lot better than what he's shown this year. Right. But but that that alone is a thing because everyone knows he's got significant talent. Like he's pretty athletic. The mm-hmm. fact that he's starting to learn how to shoot, I mean, he's slowly but surely putting some things together that could become ultimately a nice package. Yeah. Yeah. And I think teams are aware of that. With with Evan Turner, you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting not a whole lot of three point shooting. Mm-hmm. You're getting a lot of ball handling. You're getting some pretty fine passing you're getting some post game but you're getting old basketball like old traditional basketball um, earlier today as I was thinking about this series I was I was thinking that you should really experiment with Evan Turner at the four. ooh yeah I think that would be interesting like he's yeah. he's got some bulk like he's he's strong mm-hmm. he's got a, a pretty developed post game mm-hmm and the thing is in in the NBA we you know the post up is being used to lure the defense in so you can make passes like right. it opens up passing lanes and he's a damn fine passer Evan yeah. Turner is. No, he really is. I would love to see what they could do with him playing a small ball four.
2: Yeah, I mean I wouldn't like start him there by any means no, 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 but no. yeah. No, but yeah. Like
3: a small ball four coming off the bench handling the ball like right. sort of in a Draymond way.
2: Oh, huh. that's an interesting idea. I haven't really thought of him like that before, but I could see him operating well. And I mean, he's not Draymond Green on either no, side no, no, of the no, court, no. but no. yeah, but a a poor man's version of
3: that for sure. Yeah, 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 like a discount version, obviously. <laughs> right. I mean, look, right. he's shooting the three ball better than Draymond. That's so. That's a very low bar this year. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But I'm just saying, like, and he he's also got this all around kind of game like draymond like Mm -hmm. he can board he can pass he can initiate he's not a bad defender right so yeah i mean it's it will definitely be like the the one dollar store version (laughs) uh, right
2: yeah yeah i mean i think the good thing about this series is that a i mean i think it's gonna be one of the more competitive series in the playoffs but Mm. b it's not like a houston Minnesota or a Toronto Washington where like one team is just so deep and the other team not so much like both of these teams are pretty shallow I think we're gonna see you know very tight rotations from both sides oh yeah we're gonna see Anthony Davis playing 40 minutes a game Drew Holiday playing 40 minutes a game Damon CJ playing 40 minutes a game like we're there's gonna be a lot of star power on the court for a grand majority of the series
3: Mm mm-hmm yep uh, I would agree, and hopefully, hopefully this is the biggest takeaway for me or or the biggest hope that I have going to this series. Please let Anthony Davis not get hurt by oh playing a lot of minutes. I know yeah I, I I have this in the back of my mind every time i I look at a box score with Anthony Davis right and he's played like more than thirty eight minutes or something. I'm just like, mm, playing with fire,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, also, if you follow, like, anytime there's a Pelicans game going on, and, you know, I'm on Twitter just watching that while I'm watching another game, I feel like at least once a week he goes back to the locker room with, like, some minor bumper bruise. Like, he always yeah. comes back this year, but it's always like, oh, Anthony Davis, rib, questionable to return, <laughs> went to the locker room. And it's like, oh, not again. And, yeah. I, like, how many times, I wonder if there's a Pelicans blogger out there who's counted the number of not again times that we've had this year with Anthony Oh, Davis. that would be great. Yeah. yeah.
3: Now we do, but do Pelican blockers even exist?
2: <laughs> Mason Ginsburg. That's uh oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 But fair point. Otherwise. Uh, all right. So who do you have in this series?
3: Blazers in six.
2: Uh, I really want to take the Pelicans. Yeah, I, mean, I get that. I, I really, that. really do. And I'm trying to talk myself into it. Uh, Adam from All of Bleach Report did a round-by-round prediction uh, that went up today. And he did pick the Pelicans. And he made a convincing case for them. I still am leading Blazers in seven, but I don't feel good about it. Mm. I think part of it is just because I was so irrationally low on the Blazers coming into the season that I feel like I owe them. That, like, I I need to stop underestimating them. They are actually a good team. And, again, when they get Harkless back, I I guess it really depends on how long Harkless is out. But I think he's going to be back relatively early. So with that in mind, if, if he comes back, let's say if he doesn't miss... Three or more games. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, then, then I'll do the Blazers. But if, if he misses the whole first round, I would take the Pelicans.
3: That's fair. Yeah, I could go behind that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, let's wrap things up then with the number four Thunder versus the number five Jazz. It's just hilarious that after this whole season, the Thunder ended up pretty much exactly where we thought they would. Like, mm-hmm. most of us had them as the four seed, but even coming into, like, the final two weeks, did you think there was any chance they would actually be the four seed? Nope. Me neither. So, shout out to the Thunder for making us all look smarter than we actually were two weeks ago. We need to talk about the Jazz, though, mm-hmm. because they have been really fucking good since Rudy Gobert <laughs> came back in mid-January. Like, I yep. I feel like it's somehow slipped under the radar. And, like, you know, there is a holy war going on between Sixers fans and Jazz fans right now, so I don't want to give them too much props. But they, I mean, they've been unbelievable. They have the league's best net rating at plus 10.8. Mm. They have the league's best, re- uh, no, best defensive rating over that span. I think it was, like, 90, yep. what was it? Yeah uh 97.5 and then the second best record 30 and Mm 8 only behind the Houston Rockets like what you know the the Sixers are getting all this love because they were 31 and 10 since the time Gobert came back the Jazz have a better record than them like the Jazz have been unstoppable for the last couple weeks or months and I mean they've pulverized absolutely pulverized the Warriors a couple times Like, Mm -hmm. I think they had, since Gobert came back, I want to double check. I think they've only had three losses. Yeah, only three losses by 10 or more points. I can tell you
3: why. Why is that? So, the Jazz allow the fewest assists, Mm. the fewest rebounds, Mm. the fewest points, and the third fewest three pointers attempted per game. That would do it. That's how. That's how you win basketball games.
2: Yeah. I mean, right. That, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm going at here. Like, there's the old adage of like defense wins championships, and as the Cavs proved a couple of years ago, it's not always true. But correct. Like, I think you know they're obviously the Jazz will need to keep up with OKC offensively, mm-hmm. but like their defense is going to keep them in any game. Mm-hmm and it's going to win them at least one or two of them but it will keep like they are not going to get blown out of this series by any means
3: no i mean look they're going up against Russell Westbrook yeah who is shall we say not the cleverest shot taker <laughs> in the nba
2: yes his shot selection often leaves something to be desired i think that's right. fair to say
3: so put that into perspective and you know add the disciplined defense of utah mm-hmm. into the mix yep then suddenly okc looks pretty inefficient mm-hmm. and then you have Melo just spotting up all the time and not really converting at the at the rate that we thought he would and everything will be left up to paul george to lift up the efficiency right yeah that's a problem yeah
2: i mean to okc's credit uh, mm-hmm. They did go. I believe they went three and one against Utah during the regular season. Again, don't want to put too much stock into regular season results, especially because all of those games came pretty early in the year. Actually, all of them were before January. Uh, yeah, January first. So Gobert missed, I think, at least two of them, if not three.
3: Mm. So you know. Yeah, and that was before, you know, Mitchell got better and better and better and better and better and better. So, yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, that's a different team.
2: Yeah. Not, I'm not putting all that much stock into it, but just worth noting. Um, but, and uh, you know, so they... OKC does have Steven Adams, who at least... He's one of the rare guys who can at least hold his own against Gobert, in theory. Um, yeah, physically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, physically. But... I mean, yeah, yeah, you you said it. Like Russ going against Gobert, Carmelo going against Gobert. I j- I just feel like we're in in line for like OKC okay, to shoot 38% from this series.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Look look, I mean, Westbrook on this season just took a nose dive on the three ball. Mhm. 29.8%. He even <laughs> He even somehow managed to shoot just 73.7% from the free throw line. He's been just a shadow of himself from an efficiency standpoint. So he's not going to help in that department. Yep. Melo is just old now. I mean, we talked about that before. I mean, it took him 15 shots a game to score 16 points.
2: Yep. I think that's the lowest ever from him.
3: Yep, it is. It is. Yeah, and and I think lately the team has just been so focused on Westbrook's triple double hunt <laughs> right. that they, well, I mean we laugh at it, but did you see how much Stephen? Ad- I mean Stephen Adams oh, yeah. should get like an honor- where, honorary, you know, award for helping him achieve that because so many times he just boxes out and like looks at Russ like come go get it go <laughs> right. get your stats right, and and I just don't think that's the best best practice to use even. To accomplish a goal, I don't think that's what you do when you have to go into the playoffs looking for a serious series. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the play. And I reckon they're gonna come in pretty unfocused mm-hmm. and maybe believing, you know, their own hype a little bit. Oh, I'm a triple double man for the second year in a row. Paul George going, oh, I'm gonna get DPOY vote and mm-hmm. I shoot forty percent from three. Melo keep thinking he's prime Melo. Right. I just think this team has some sort of ability to shoot themselves in the foot.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, it's a, Again, it's a testament to Utah because I think they have the personnel. Like, Ricky Rubio is not going to go stat for stat with Westbrook. Westbrook is going mm-hmm. to put up more points, more rebounds, most likely more assists than Ricky Rubio. But Rubio is a good defender. Like, he's going to make life difficult on Westbrook, and we're going to get yep. some, like, Eight of twenty-five shooting nights from him. Paul George is a incredible two-way player. Joe Ingles is gonna make life tough on him, and Jay Crowder—they're gonna make life difficult on him. I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe George just goes off for thirty points a night and on
3: sixty percent shooting, and I look like an idiot. But like, no, no, Ingles is a good defender. Like, we don't talk about that enough. He's a good defender, and and. I, I think there's this idea that oh a white Australian boy, right, like who who can shoot oh he's got to be just a shooter no dude can defend his ass off yeah absolutely. so I, I think that's a that's a very fair point him and Crowder rotating on Paul George yeah that's not gonna be easy no I, right and then you got your boy Donnie Mitchell
2: what do you expect from him out of this series points
3: <laughs> look I mean bold and. <laughs> yeah. No look, the, so many people are grabbing on Mitchell these days, like calling him a chugger uh-huh. and a gunner, and I'm just like, "No, that's that's the role he's given." Right, like he's right. being asked to take these 17 shots a game. Like that's his role. His role is just to go out there and get buckets, and mm-hmm. I don't think that role is going to change. Yeah. Uh he's going to come out there and and just try to score how however many points that he's going to try to get Uh, 24 25 a night doesn't sound too unrealistic and which is pretty good for a rookie i might add Mm -hmm. um but but the bone backbone of it all is the defense that's still the defense i'm I'm just hoping for utah's sake that they somehow internally find a secondary scorer who is capable of being that secondary scorer because right now who's the second guy that's go bear and you could argue Ricky Rubio but none of those guys are natural scorers right they can't really create their own shots mm-hmm. they have to be set up joe Ingles spots up a lot it's not really like he's a good he can handle the ball he can pass he's a really wonderful passer but he's not a guy who's going to create right. 10 shots per game for his own accord yeah. so you need that secondary guy and who's that i mean look at that roster yeah like alec burks I mean... Yeah, like Derek Favors? No. No, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. mean... None of
2: those guys... You're right. None of them can create for themselves outside of Rubio, so Rubio's going to have to play an enormous role, especially considering he's going to be defending Russell Westbrook, and that's going to take a lot of energy out on his end. If you're OKC, how quickly do you put Paul George on Donovan Mitchell defensively? I start with it. Yeah. I open up with it. Me like, too. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because like you can hide Corey Brewer
3: on Ingles, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, and he's pesky off the ball like yeah. Brewer is, so right. that would be that would be pretty good actually. But, right. Yeah, you 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 start Paul George on Donovan Mitchell immediately. Yeah, hundred
2: percent agree there. Uh, I think this one's gonna be interesting too because again, neither team like I guess Utah is somewhat deep but not especially, and OKC, it's like they're starting five. They are definitely a team that's going to be playing Mm -hmm. all five of their guys a huge number of minutes. Apparently, by the way, Corey Brewer, he left, I believe, um, Wednesday's game with an injury, but he should be okay. I saw that he's going to be starting game one, so no concerns there. Um, But yeah, so who do you have as X-Factors in this
3: series? Dante Exum.
2: Yes. Damn it. Yeah. damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn yep. it. Fine, Bort. Steal my glory.
3: I know. <laughs> uh, he's been playing well for 14 games Yeah. that he's been back. Yep. Uh, not not quite ready to say he's going to live up to that potential of his. Right. But he's at least getting a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. So what is he now? 22. He's going to turn 23 this July. So, yeah, he's starting to like be at that point now where he can create a little bit from himself from his himself and like use his talents and he's becoming a little bit more aggressive.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I I am not ready to say that he could be the secondary scorer behind Mitchell, mm-hmm. but I'm also not saying that he can't be a significant offensive piece of the puzzle in Utah. Like he's averaging 8 points in just under 17 minutes a game, granted 14 game sample size is not great, it's right. not fantastic. But it's enough for at least to say, "Oh, we might get some more production out of that position Mm. off the bench, right?" And that would be huge.
2: Yeah, if nothing else, it gives them another creator. It it reminds me of like the surge that Markel Fultz has provided the Sixers off the bench, like having a guy who can both create his own shot and for others Mm. really does it provides a big lift. And you know, Exum. I, I, my, low, my expectations are lower for Exum than they are for Faults. Not that they're extremely high for Faults this playoffs either, but I don't think either guy is gonna like have a thirty point game or do anything no. like uh. wild like that. But you know, there, there is value in salvaging those minutes whenever you do have to turn your reserves for a couple of minutes and like making sure the other team doesn't go on a ten nothing run and wipe out all the good that your starters did. So, yeah, I think Exum is an awesome pick for um, for an X-Factor. I, I, I'm going to Crowder as well. I mean, you know, he, he he just hasn't... It hasn't been the same Jay Crowder from Boston, but angles can't do it all against Paul George. They're going to need to shut down Paul George if they're going to win this series. So mm-hmm. I expect him to have a big role there. I mean, hell, I could even see him marking Westbrook at times. It's... yeah. Yeah, I mean, Utah is going to have no shortage of options defensively. I mean, Exum is going to get some Westbrook duty, too, I would assume. <laughs>
3: yeah, and Exum, for sure. Like Exum has the six, size six. to do it, yeah. He's got the size to really buck him. So, yeah. I mean, Utah can throw defenders at you all day long. Right. The problem is, and they have the reverse problem uh, that, that Chicago did a couple years ago. Like, they have too many defenders solely like mm-hmm. the, you know in today's game you need two-way players yeah and chicago bat you know a couple years ago loaded up on shooters and offensive-minded players and just did not consider oh yeah we we need guys <laughs> who play both sides of the ball right and utah went the complete different direction and just went all defensive yeah now donovan mitchell is in there scoring 20 and a, half points a game. That's uh, that's breathing a sigh of relief mm-hmm. from Utah's organization because now they finally have a score, But that's so not enough; they need more. Right. Um, this summer is going to be interesting because when Utah is getting bounced, which I think is going to be in the second round, mm-hmm. I could imagine there has they they're going to look internally and go, you know, what what do we need to fix here? And offense is the big thing. Yeah. yeah. They they need shot creators. I mean. As, as much as I love this team because I love watching defense mm-hmm. and they sure as hell provide a lot of it there are just so many times where you can sense that the energy offensively is just not there there's yeah. no rhythm there's no chemistry the shot creation is just a bother and you look at donovan mitchell going oh my god i have to do this again right i just like two i have two straight possessions i have to break down the entire defense and get to the rack and now i have to do it again because no one really wants to do anything right now yeah yeah and that's unfortunate
2: i uh it's funny because if andre roberson were healthy i don't necessarily think i definitely would change my pick in this series but I don't even know if it would be as close as I'm otherwise expecting this thing to be, like because then they would have Robertson and Paul George who can both mark, Mitchell, right, and that would probably be game over for Utah. But the fact they don't have that, so more you, I think you gave it away by saying you expect Utah out in the second round. But how many games do you expect this one to go?
3: Seven, I think that's it. Goes a full seven, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're bounced. But yeah, but okay, here's the thing with me though. I don't have that much trust in Russell Westbrook.
2: Yeah, I, I have Utah in six. I don't. I'm surprised. Like I saw the Thunder are yeah. favored in the series, and I guess maybe because it's home court advantage. But like, what about the the Jazz in the last three months? Thanks mm. I mean, I, again, if the Jazz were the seventh seed, I would strongly consider them pick picking them against the Steph Curryless Warriors. That's how good I think they've been lately. So. Yeah, they I don't did.
3: know if I'll go that far, but I would definitely say that they could, you know, take it to a game six or seven.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I guess the home court advantage is the reason they're favored, or is the reason OKC is favored. But otherwise, I feel like Utah's like I said this. I think in the Eastern Conference pod about Washington, the Wizards. I could see them going on like an absolute tear and you know, knocking out Toronto in the first round, Cleveland in the second round. Like they have the potential on paper to go to the finals. But they're just so damn inconsistent. Like their ceiling is so high, but their floor is so low and you yeah. just don't know which one you're gonna get. That's how I feel about OKC too. Like if OKC's starting five plays as well as they're capable of doing, Utah's toast. But I have more faith in Utah bringing the same type of consistency every night than I do OKC.
3: And that's because defensive consistency is honestly easier to bring than offensive uh, yeah consistency. Yeah. Like you're going to miss shots and and you can be cold night, and that's you know that's what it is but being cold defensively that's not putting in an effort. That's a choice. Mhm. So I mean you can play the most perfect defense in the world you can still get killed if the opponent is making tough shots but you live with that right so right so Utah has a more a stronger foundation to fall back on yeah i would agree with that that's yeah. a
2: good way of, good way of phrasing it good well done well done all around yeah. All right, Mort, that's going to wrap it up for our playoff previews. Stay tuned to us throughout the playoffs. We're going to have a lot of breakdowns of games and previews of each round as those unfold over the coming weeks. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So follow us. You can flame my mentions when the Sixers inevitably drop game one on Saturday. Uh, Please follow us on iTunes as well. You can subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so follow them at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tuporik, and I was joined, as always, by Morton
3: Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I look forward to seeing the final steps on the journey of Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. God damn it. I'm so sorry,
2: Sarah.